0: This is the improved Photography Podcast, episode number 166. This episode is brought to you by Acronis. Manually copying photos to an external hard drive is just part of the backup plan. What's your complete on and off plan offsite plan to back up your priceless photos and protect your perfectly tweaked computer and photo app settings? Celebrate World Backup Day with Acronis and receive a bonus license of its award-winning True Image backup solution. Visit trueimage.com slash improve to learn about this bonus license deal. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Improved Photography. Today, I am joined by Miss Erica K. Hey, guys. Jeff Harmon. Hello. And a new voice on the podcast is Craig Stampfly. Good
1: morning. How are you?
0: We're doing good. We're glad to have your accent on the on the podcast. Craig, in just a sentence or two, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, Okay, Brisbane based photographer here in uh, Australia and uh, doing um, real estate, uh, family portraiture and uh, relaxing with landscapes, things like that.
0: Very cool. Well, we have a lot of changes going on with improved photography, adding new voices to the podcasts. We are trying to add them in slowly so nobody gets overwhelmed and always having those voices that you uh, know. But if you would uh, always keep giving us feedback and telling us what you're thinking as we're changing things, we do want to be adding new podcasts and stuff and we need new people Uh, To do that. So, Craig, we're glad to have you with us. Also, one other note that I'm going to be talking about a little bit later, uh, but in our Facebook groups, there's been a little bit too much negativity lately. uh, And so I'd really like to see that pushed back a little bit. It's fun to call people out on things, uh, but it feels like it's mostly calling people out on things lately uh, in those groups. And we have always tried to maintain those groups as being being a positive place where yeah. nobody's perfect and we're all just learning together. And so please uh, help us kind of tone that down if you see other people being a little bit too combative or aggressive uh, to, uh, to to get that, that right tone in the group so that it, it's a fun place to be. Those are our Facebook groups for each of the podcasts. We have a group uh, that you can just search on Facebook um, and search improved photography podcast listeners. And then you'll uh, you'll find that group. Well, we also have some questions from our listeners this week. Um, And one one uh, person wrote a wrote a question I thought was really good. And I I talked about uh, at quite a bit of length uh, this last week on the photo taco podcast about the reciprocal rule, the one over the focal length rule. For those who haven't heard of it, it just basically means that whatever your shutter speed is, it should be equal to or faster than the focal length of the lens. So if I'm zoomed in to 24 millimeters, then I should have my fo- my shutter speed be no slower than One over 24. So one over 30, one over 50, one over 100 is fine. One over 15, not fine. And there are a lot of exceptions to that rule, especially now because we have, you know, image stabilization on our lenses and we uh, sometimes are at the very wide end or the very long end. And so the question is, how much does that rule hold up? Erico, do you use this uh, when you're shooting commonly? Do you pay attention to this rule to make sure you're going to get a sharp shot?
2: I do, especially when I'm shooting. Um, wedding ceremonies because oftentimes those ceremonies are in kind of poorly lit areas, Mm -hmm. whether that's a church or a hall or whatever. It's dark and I don't use flash. I have to use all available light. And I pretty much always shoot with my 70 to 200 and at that point i'm always wanting to slow down that shutter to get more light in but i can't because the the image definitely will get blurry because of the movement Um, especially if i'm in a place where it's restricted and i have to kind of stand in the back of the church and i have to zoom all the way into 200 if i go any lower than 200 it's gonna there's gonna be a little blur in there Um, so i definitely try to follow that rule as much as possible sometimes i'll push it a little bit and try to just like get as much as possible out of it as i can but i really don't recommend that unless you have a super steady hand or a tripod
0: yeah and i do the same thing i i pay decent attention to it but i'm glad you brought up uh i'm glad you brought up flash because if you're mm. using flash this rule mm. is just worth almost nothing uh, right. because the flash becomes your shutter speed because the pop of a flash is extremely short uh, mm-hmm. you know some studio flashes are even up to one thirteen thousandth of a second that pop is happening in and so uh it really doesn't matter. You could use a two-second shutter speed as long as it's dark in the room and you're using that pop of the flash to illuminate. So that's a that's a very good point. Craig, how about you? Are you paying attention to this rule? I I do pay attention.
1: And um, obviously, you look at the back of the screen. We, we all tend to chimp and, and see how it looks on the screen. But I was just going to ask, Erica, with, with the long, uh, when you're zooming in at, at a wedding, will you keep your camera on, say, aperture priority or um, shutter priority and lock in 200? No, I,
2: I usually just keep it on manual. Um, I, I obviously, I just don't change my, my, camera setting that much um so for me i just keep it on manual and i just don't mess with it um right. because i like to keep things consistent so that when i'm editing i can just go through and edit them all you know okay. copy and paste my edits to all of them without having to really pay attention to every single no, fair image
0: and and jeff how about you are you using this one over the shutters one over the focal length rule very often yeah in fact i actually
3: because i'm frequently trying to photograph my kids and they don't stay still enough for that to actually be <laughs> to be good settings for that either you're yeah. never we're going to be at the minimum
0: so, sh- shutter speed
3: anyway. yeah it's, they're still going to be blurry they're still going to their arm at least or their leg or something's going to be blurry so uh i usually double it still from there to make sure that i have enough room and i mean usually i'm outdoors there's plenty of light it's not at night time if it's at night time then it's, it would become even you know more challenging mm-hmm. but yeah I, I usually end up doubling it a lot because my subject's don't stay still
0: <laughs> As well. So the question that, that we got is basically, do you need to apply the crop factor to this rule? So if I'm using um, a 50 millimeter lens on a full frame camera, then we know we need a shutter speed of one over 50 at least. But what about if I'm using a Canon Rebel or a Nikon D5200? Uh, these are crop sensor cameras. And so I have the effective focal length of 75 millimeters. on on that Nikon. On Canon, it's going to be something like 80 millimeters uh, Mm -hmm. because Canon's even a little bit more cropped in than the Nikon. Uh, And so do we need to apply the rule? And I didn't really know what the answer is. My guess was yes, uh, but I went out and took several hundred pictures testing this at all different focal lengths. And the answer is yes, you do need to apply that crop factor to the rule in order to make sure that you're getting sharp photos. So you're going to be wanting to add 50% to your focal length if you're using a crop sensor camera to make sure we're getting a sharp shot. But again, this is just a general rule. The, I, you know, we don't really want to be at the yeah. minimum shutter speed. We'd like to be up up from there a little bit to make sure we're getting it uh, sharper. And it depends on how how steady you can hold the, the lens. It depends on if you have image stabilization, if you're using flash, there are a lot of factors yeah. that go into this, but it's a good general rule uh, to, to get us going and and knowing if we're if we're going to have a sharp shot.
3: And I'd, I'd say if for a hobbyist or a beginner, this is probably one of the first things you need to figure out because it's going to help make sure your images are actually sharp. If you're having trouble with sharpness and you're a beginner, this is what you need to try.
0: Yeah, that's right. If you're having problems with camera sure. shake. And, yeah. it, and then it's this like you said jeff if if you you know have kids running around this rule does nothing for you that's right. motion blur we're talking about camera shape mm-hmm. well jeff you yeah. wanted to talk a little bit and, about and it comes down to just go ahead craig
1: <laughs> sorry i was just gonna i was just gonna throw in that uh, this comes down to technique how to hold a camera correctly how to you know lock in your elbows or you know, don't smash down that shutter. You know, you've got to roll your finger across it or just be smooth. Um, all these things add up to um, help you take a sharper image.
0: That's right. Well, Jeff, you wanted to talk a little bit about Apple uh, doing some refreshes for their photographer and Thunderbolt 3, which I'm interested to hear about for sure. So uh, so tell us what you're thinking about. Mm. Well, so uh,
3: there's, I'm not sure exactly what Apple, I mean, nobody knows what they're going <laughs> to be unveiling on the 21st. They have an event coming up. Um, We hope that it's a refresh of a bunch of products. Uh, We hope that they have maybe new MacBooks, um, refresh. uh, They're gonna probably announce some changes to iOS or there's lots of speculation about what it'll be. But I wanted to talk through some technologies that are coming that I think photographers will actually care about. There may be things that are announced either from Apple or other manufacturers that probably don't matter. Uh, For example, bigger, faster, better video cards. That's not gonna matter. (laughs) For photographers right now, that's not going to matter. They don't, the the photography tools simply don't leverage the power of those video cards very much yet. At least the Adobe products don't. Some of the others might do it a little better, but in general, bigger, faster, beefier video card is not going to help photographers. So let's talk about a few things that will. One of them is Thunderbolt 3 that's coming. And there's lots of areas where this is exciting. It's exciting because it's really being accepted as kind of a universal thing this time instead of something that really Apple kind of leveraged and the rest of the world ignored. (laughs) But um, and it was so much that way, in fact, that people think Apple created it. It's not. It's an Intel thing. They developed it just like uh, Thunderbolt three is an Intel thing. They created it. It's just Apple was the only one who picked it up and, and put it in their machines.
0: So, so. For, the, for the non-nerdy, all all this really <laughs> means is this is a connection between your computer and usually an external drive, although it really right. could be anything could be uh, that's stuff, but, that's going yep. to be faster. So like if I have all my photos on my Drobo um, and because it's, it's huge, I can put, you know, 20 terabytes in that thing that I couldn't put in my actual iMac. It just doesn't fit. Um, then... I want a fast cord to go between those two so that my photos pop up in Lightroom a lot faster.
3: Yeah, so Thunderbolt 2 is the what's in the current Mac hardware, and it's really fast. It's the fastest thing available for external connections of storage like that, like adding external drives. So that's going to help when you're doing Lightroom. Right now, the slowest piece of using Lightroom is how fast your disk is, how fast that hard drive is that's in there memory helps of course the cpu helps but the disc is the very slowest piece of it so as fast as you can make the disc the better lightroom is going to be and if you want to have to use an external drive thunderbolt 2 is the best way to do that unfortunately because no one really picked up <laughs> thunderbolt you don't have anything but these ghastly expensive devices to yeah. attach to the machines and it's a it's yeah. a mess You have very few people selling them. It's just not great. Go ahead, Jim.
0: So is my is my disc slower than my Thunderbolt 2 connection right now?
3: It could be if you have like normal, really big hard drives in there, like the four terabyte, six terabyte, eight terabyte. And that's what I've got to use. If you have just one. Yeah, you're not leveraging all of the speed of Thunderbolt 2. If you have it in a raid system if it's in some kind if it's in a drobo where it's going to be able to use multiple discs at once it'll it'll get closer to maximizing that connection Okay. Yeah. But so Thunderbolt 3 is exciting because it doubles the speed again. So that's cool. It mm-hmm. also is exciting yep. because everyone's picking it up this time. I'm seeing all kinds of PC manufacturers who are going to be including it. There's some that are already out. The The latest Dell 13-inch work, uh, Mac, or laptop that I recommend is got it. And it's that's going to be great. So then you're going to see lots of peripheral makers that are going to have really good hard drive storage units to stick a whole bunch of discs in and maximize that throughput. It's going to be awesome.
0: So, so what about USB-C? I thought that was supposed to be the new cool thing, right? So
3: USB-C is a form factor. It's like the, how the connection looks as so Thunderbolt three is going to come in a USB-C form factor, but It won't necessarily. So you'll be able to plug in a device that is USB-C and still not have Thunderbolt 3. But if you have a Thunderbolt 3 connector and the controller on the computer supports it, you'll get Thunderbolt three. It's, it's really confusing. And it's, that's going to be a problem uh, as this goes <laughs> out. It's super confusing, yeah. but it's going to be very cool. I, I think most of the USB C ports that are going to be on the, at least on the Macs, but probably on most uh, desktop computers and, and laptop computers starting at this year in 2016 and probably next year, they're going to be Thunderbolt three. Anyway, at least one of them will be, they'll probably, they may have multiple, and they'll have some indicator on there about whether it's Thunderbolt three or not. Um, I'm, I'm sure they'll have some symbol like there's there's through the USB ports. There's the SS is written next to them or it's blue. Uh, you'll have indicators, oh. but it's going to be it's going to be really nice to have that and get things much, much faster. Unless you have just a single drive, like it's one of those normal single drive things that you plug in. Yeah, that's that won't matter if it's USB three Thunderbolt two Thunderbolt three.
0: Assuming not, that it's a spinning drive, right? An right. SSD would be, An would be SSD, fast enough yeah, to use that's it. That's right. right.
3: That's right. Right. So talking about SSD, okay. let's move on to that topic and a couple of other things to look for. There's a new. Well, it's not actually all that new, but no, it hasn't been adopted much yet. Called M2 SSD M.2. dot two. I don't know why the, why the name is, but, <laughs> but but they've got that, and it is the. It's the same flash technology that's in the normal ssd drive that you're thinking of the difference is the ssd runs faster than even if you you connect it internally in your computer it's capable of going faster than even that connection supports it's called a sata connection and it's it can go faster than that it's limited by the speed of that connection so what m2 has is it's leveraging a whole different way to connect to the drive and it can actually make the flash go as fast as it can and therefore you get quite a bit more performance out of it. Um, there's been some testing that's been like crazy performance, like 2.5 gigabyte reads per second and 1.5 gigabyte write per second. Whoa! Just just really seriously fast. Uh, but those are really staged kind of tests. And it's not, I don't think real, real world usage is going to be that fast. Um, some of the real wor- world usage that people have done right now has been about um 10 faster when they use a system under like normal conditions but that's like web browsing and (laughs) it's not photography testing that these people did i want to get a hold of one and try it and see what it's like i think there's a huge promise there for for that to be the case and if you combine the two if you uh, you might be able to achieve similar speeds with as m2 gets on the computer as you get thunderbolt 3 to an ssd
0: drive okay so i have two questions First, right. how long do you think it's going to be before I need to buy a new Drobo that, like, that's the old stuff and, and this <laughs> is going to be out and ready to use?
3: I would be surprised if Drobo doesn't have a new model before Christmas that has M2 caching capabilities to make it go way faster.
0: And, oh. okay, so, uh, dang it, Jeff! <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then, uh, and then the next question is, is anybody getting Lightroom to actually run fast? Uh, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, Lightroom is just slow running it between slow. between the photos. I really hope they that they update the software eventually. But yep. I guess what I mean is, I mean, I have like the highest end iMac you can buy with all the specs mm. as best as i could get it when i bought it a year and a half ago and <laughs> yep. uh so i feel like i feel like with this level of computer uh that it's going to be kind of diminishing returns going to to fast Agreed. to little bit faster and stuff and much more expensive computers so right. is anybody really getting lightroom to just like blazon through it have, have you seen it any machine that that's that do i need to switch or is it just I've just got to wait, wait on this stuff to come, and then it's going to help out Lightroom. Hopefully, eventually, Adobe, Adobe's just going to fix this for us by just making the software faster.
3: I, I don't think there's any question that it, most of this is Adobe's problem. <laughs> it be, like you say, it doesn't matter the hardware you're throwing at it. It's still slow, and it is. So it's, even the things we talked slow. about right now, it, it's, it may not make a huge difference until the Adobe engineers change the software to be more efficient and maybe leverage these technologies, maybe start actually leveraging video cards. I I think if they can get that to work, that is going to make a big, big difference. Um, Especially after you've started adding brushes or filters or or things like that to your photos, that's where it Mm -hmm. really grinds to a halt. Absolutely, And and that's where the video card stuff will help. The, The disk drive speeds and stuff we've talked about so far. Won't really change that a whole lot. Uh, but the video card, if they can tap into that and make it work, which right now it's so broken, you should turn it off. Uh, then that will that'll make a yeah. big difference.
0: OK, well, Jeff, you've spent my money, <laughs> dashed my hopes of getting a faster Lightroom, room, uh, but, but very, uh, very good information. Thanks for that. Well, Craig, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, shooting star trails. Tell us about that.
1: Oh, shooting star trails or basically just anything to um, to mix it up, to learn a new technique or figure out what the other settings on a camera do. And, and star trails is just something that I've uh, been trying recently over the last couple of months. Um, it's uh, wet season at the moment, so quite often the, the, the sky here in Brisbane is cloudy. Uh, but on the odd occasion when it's a clear night, I, I'll go to a local park or recently we were camping and I had to, my, my camera out on a tripod and just – just take a bunch of photos and then just playing with some software and Starstacks is one that I came across that's uh, nice, it's free, uh, although you can um, donate and then give the guys some money. But for the most part, it's a fairly effective um, software to use. And uh, look, I just want to encourage people to, to try something new. Um, I'm also enjoying you know, light trails or, or getting up early. You know, it's, uh, you've got to set that alarm to to get up nice and early to go and get a, a sunrise. Um, I've come from the other side of Australia where it was a sunset that I used to have to, uh, to shoot. Um, and that was good. You know, you had the, uh, the afternoon to get ready and down to the beach and there's the sun going down. Now it's the other end of the scale and I've got to get up nice and early to, to see the sun coming up. But the main thing is just um, we've all got these cameras. Uh, let's try and use them for more than taking photos of the kids or, you know, the landscape down the road, whatever it is, it's just a, an encouragement is, is what I was getting at.
0: Well, very good. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely uh, excited to try a couple new things. Nick has been getting me excited to, to get out and, and go shoot in Oregon, um, which is not uh-huh. too far of a drive from my house. Um, you know, eight or okay. nine hours and I'm to the good areas and, uh, so I, I'm I'm anxious to get out there and try a couple new techniques that I've been learning over the winter, and I'm anxious to put into into practice.
1: Well, I was going to ask you regarding new techniques. You've mentioned a few times focus stacking. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you explain maybe a little bit of what it is and how you do it? That's, yeah. that's on my to-do list at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, Nick has a tutorial that's coming out, actually, oh. here pretty soon. Uh, oh. It'll be one of those $15 okay. tutorials that you can get. And so I'm sure everybody right. will like to see the step-by-step. But basically, the way it works okay. is if we want to get a maximum depth of field from everything close to the camera to very far away from the camera <laughs> in sharp focus, I'll set the camera on a tripod, get my composition, and then I'll focus at the mm-hmm. bottom of the frame, take a picture, a little bit up, take a picture, a little bit up, take a picture until the very far in the background. Then I take them all into Photoshop and I just make a focus stack out of it. There's an automated process sure. in Photoshop and boom, I have the sharpest area going all the way up the frame. And it really is just, I mean, just eye popping sharpness when you do it. But you can get much more creative than fo- with focus stacking than just getting good sharpness everywhere. That, frankly, nobody's going to notice if we're looking at okay. a picture on Facebook anyway, because it's just a tiny picture and oh, Facebook doesn't show them real sharp. For sure. Um, but what you can but, do so is, you, you, let's you, say I'm shooting a lake and then a mountain in the distance. I can focus, uh, I can have my lens set wide and I can shoot this rock right in front of me and make it, you know, feel really close to the camera. But when I shoot real wide, even though it makes the foreground look good, that mountain in the background now looks puny. And so what I can do is as I focus that, as I go in a little bit each time, I can zoom the lens just a tiny bit every time going into the background. And then it looks like that mountain is large and the foreground's large. So it's really, really cool some of the things you can do with focus stacking if we get into uh, those more advanced techniques.
1: And you typically then... with your aperture opening right up or are you still keeping uh, like an F8 or, or F16?
0: Well, you can really you can really open up just fine to shoot at F2.8, uh, but mm-hmm. the whole purpose of this is like super yep. maximum sharpness, and so you might as well shoot a focus stack sure. at your sweet spot. You know, usually going to be somewhere around F7.1 oh, okay. on most lenses um, because your depth of field doesn't matter. We're going to oh, cool. fix that in Photoshop. Of course. Very cool. Very good. Well, we want to talk about lots more thank on you. the on the podcast. Erica wants to talk about historical photo processing, um, but before we do that, we want to take a second and thank some of the people that have made the Improved Photography Podcast possible. Um, and the the first company is Zenfolio, who makes Jeff and Susie Harmon Photography's website. <laughs> 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 um, Zenfolio is a great company, especially if you're wanting to make it easy for clients to purchase your photos after the fact. Uh, I think they have the best uh, e-commerce for the photos uh, out there of any of the of the options. Uh, Zenfolio is easy to use inexpensive, and uh, and definitely stands out for those reasons. In addition to that, uh, it's been voted number one by photographers for three years in a row. Uh, Jeff, uh, tell, tell me a little bit about what the interface looks like on the back end of Zenfolio. What's it like to actually create the website?
3: Super, super simple. It's, uh, it's really nice. It has a very modern web browser front end piece that you can use to go and put your Upload your images, uh, really slick to be able to do that, have no problem there. And then the best part about it, I think, is the client communication you can do through that back end piece. So you can put up proofs of the shots. You can go take out the obvious eyes shut, mouth weird, <laughs> whatever kind of fo- photos that, that are clear nose, uh, but put everything else up there and let the, the client be able to say, oh, that's, even though there might be a smile that everyone else thinks is better, that's actually their smile. Uh, that kind of a thing and really easy way then for the client to be able to go and look through all those proofs and choose the ones that they like the best and give you the tag the ones that they like the best and send it to you so that you can then go focus on those and get them the the photos that they picked so i really love the back end and how that works
0: very cool well this episode uh, well i'm sorry you can also cool. you can get your copy of Zenfolio and start making your website today so you can use their free trial with no credit card required to get going when you decide to sign up for Zenfolio, make sure to use offer code IMPROVE, and that'll give you 30% off your subscription wow. uh, to show your support for the podcast. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty uh, nice discount on what's already mm-hmm. an, an excellent deal. And by mm. Harry's. Harry's makes my razors. <laughs> Every time I travel for improved photography workshops... I always leave the razor in the hotel. I don't know how many (laughs) times I've done this. Um, And it's like incredibly expensive if you keep leaving razors with like, you know, a a GPS and a compass and 14 different blades in it. I I want a nice, good blade uh, that's going to last and doesn't cost me a million dollars. And so Harry's is an excellent option all good things come in threes including bird photos as some people say um but what does that have to do with anything well get this march 3rd is the third month of the year and it also happens to be our friends over at harry's third year anniversary as a business and if you're new to Harry's, I've got a special deal for you to try three of their expertly crafted five-blade German razors and handle and shaving cream, and it's just ten bucks. And so you can get that by going to Harrys.com and using the offer code Improve at checkout. Really is worth a try. It saved me a bunch of money, especially when I'm traveling, but even mm. for at home. That's Harrys.com, and you can use that offer code improve at checkout and we thank them uh for your uh for their support of improved photography all right we have lots more to talk about erica you want to talk a little bit about historical photos tell Mm -hmm. us about that
2: yeah so kind of going back to what craig was talking about with the uh try something different get out of that rut thing um that's what i've been doing uh in my slow season so one of the more recent things i've been kind of into is the wet plate collodion process which is a historical process that's what they did basically way back in the day when photography was was just becoming a thing um so we've been having workshops and stuff at at my studio and I've been exploring that a little bit and actually I'm going out again this weekend to shoot some landscapes and waterfalls with a uh, portable dark room and and we'll be doing some wet plate collodion out in the world. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's going to be interesting to see how it actually works, um, you know, with the, with the portable darkroom, but
0: okay. So to the uninitiated, what's wet, poli- what, what is wet plate yeah. collodion? Is this a function <laughs> on my DSLR? Cause I've never seen this in the menu. No.
2: <laughs> it is old.
0: No, and, and having support darkroom.
2: Yeah. So it is, it um, you know, it's a process that you actually have to, uh, you have to process the photo yourself. It's not digital. Um, you it's, it's, it's interesting to me because it really combines my love for photography and history and chemistry. Like I'm a huge chemistry nerd, a huge history nerd. Obviously, oh, you're just a nerd
0: all around, Erica. Come on, I am.
2: I am. The glasses say it all. Um, <laughs> so not chemical.
3: fully. Not fully. She she couldn't have done a Thunderbolt three discussion.
2: No. Nope. <laughs> 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 She's an
0: old photography nerd. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah, it's it's not digital. You can't you can't find this function on your DSL. Are. but basically what you do so the process um you have a piece of of metal um for me i used um tin that has kind of a, a black sheen on it um you you pour some collodion on there which is you know some chemicals go back going back to that chemistry thing you pour some collodion on there you dip it into a silver nitrate bath you let it um i don't know the technical term for it you let it take a little bath and get and get ready um and then you put it in what did you say scrub a dub dub yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then you put it in um, you, you put it in some sort of old school film camera. So for me, I was using an old medium format, four by five camera. Um, you take your photo and then you have to take it back into the dark room and you do all the processing. So you have to pour the developer on it. You have to do you know the filtration system. You have to give it a, another bath and water put some other photo stuff on it and you get to watch it actually develop on this piece of metal. Um, it's a really, really cool process. It's fun. It's, it's unlike anything that I've ever done before. Um, and I've really enjoyed experimenting with it. Um, it definitely has given me a greater appreciation for the art. So it's more than just like going out, seeing a pretty scene, snapping a photo, popping it in the computer and then processing it. It's actually you're using your hands to actually process this and you're getting dirty and you get chemicals all over you and you smell and you have like stains all over your hands. It's just really cool. It's really awesome.
0: Okay. So, so so how how do we learn this? Like if I want to get started, like this is awesome. I, I totally want to try this. So (laughs) is there a place that I can go? How do, how do I actually learn how to do this?
2: Um, well, if you want to
0: come to Ohio,
2: we do. We have <laughs> workshops at our studio. Um, we've been having them pretty much every month um, and we have a, a lot more planned. So what we've been doing so far is just kind of like still life in the studio. Um, very structured, um, you know, workshops but we are starting to branch out a little bit more we're going to actually start bringing in models we're going to go out into the world and and like i said photograph waterfalls and and do landscapes with a portable darkroom. so we're kind of expanding it a little bit to um, allow people to photograph more than just still lifes in the studio um, you can go to the website and get some more information about that also um, and the website's the,
0: uacreative.com
2: yes uacreativephoto.com
0: you creative photo see i just gave somebody traffic <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah, That's, that's the studio that I run. Um, We also our instructor for the workshop. She is a professor of fine art and historical processing at the Ohio state university. um, And she does private training at our studio as well. So if you want more in-depth, training to really learn the history and the process. Um you can get you can sign up for private training with her as well through our studio. Okay. Um, so I, if
0: I wanted to get started with this, how much is it going to get co- how much is it going to cost me? Is there like a kit that I can buy or <laughs>
2: Yeah. You can buy kits. I honestly don't know how much it is because I get to use all of Heather's stuff for uh-huh. free, all the studio <laughs> stuff for free. It is not cheap. It's not a cheap hobby. You have to buy yeah exactly you have to buy all the chemicals you have to buy cyanide you have to buy all the metal cyanide Man. i
0: need cyanide yeah. <laughs> this is cool dangerous.
2: yeah um you have to buy the, hey. the camera that you can actually play hey, with
0: the cyanide i need this this is so cool. It's like, really I, cool i just get these sanitary little cameras and stuff i need some dangerous some chemicals in my life <laughs>
2: um yeah but you can buy kits um i think if so you just we need google to start working
1: on the obituary for Jim.
2: yes <laughs> uh, maybe, yes
1: probably maybe
2: and you don't Sorry, have to use the cyanide you. there are, oh there are no you have you to use, use the cyanide like <laughs> <laughs> yeah but if you wanted to teach your kids and you don't want them like messing cyanide or you don't want to like blow up your house or something um you can use a little more you can use safer options
0: all right. Well, that sounds really <laughs> cool. I'm I, i I'm loving seeing the, the photos that you've already created. And I I would love to trade it to try this. I may have to make a little special trip out to Ohio.
2: You'd be more than welcome, Jim.
0: Well, um, in my wow. five minute segment, I want to give you the little uh, kind of short term review on the Fujifilm x pro 2 camera so this is one i talked about this when it was re- when it was announced in january and now these are actually shipping this is an 1800 crop sensor camera uh, from fuji it's well, it's really the successor to the X Pro Two, but uh, I, and more practically, I think it's the successor to the XT One, which was basically means this is the new top of the line uh, from Fuji. Really, the the XT One was a better mm. camera than the X Pro One. So anyway, it's anyway it's their their newest camera. What's cool about this camera is the continuous autofocus, as in my testing, at least. This has the fastest continuous autofocus of any mirrorless camera that I've tried. I'm hearing really good reports about the autofocus on the A6300 from Sony. I haven't had my hands on that one yet, Uh, but I can say that this is very much on par with DSLR continuous autofocus, uh, and, and that is really saying something. That has been the Achilles heel of mirrorless cameras for the last several years was you, you can't say it has uh, as good of autofocus as a DSLR. It, they just didn't. Um, this is the first time that I can say, yeah, it really does have as good of autofocus as most DSLRs. And the number of focus points is staggering. I think we're at 235 uh, mm-hmm. autofocus points on this sucker. And they wow. cover almost every oh. inch of the frame all the way to, uh, to the edges. Uh, so awesome. the continuous autofocus is cool. If you like the form factor of the Fuji, and not everybody will, uh, but if you like being able to, you know, on the lens, you have a ring to adjust your aperture. You have a separate ring for your shutter speed and inside that uh, your ISO. Uh, If you like having a million buttons and dials to really control stuff, this is an awesome camera and it is beautiful it makes me cry sometimes it's so beautiful it has that old retro styling and stuff but all the coolest technology inside it the other thing that i like about this is it has the best wi-fi connection to the camera that i've ever tested uh i every camera for the last couple years has announced you know oh we have wi-fi and nfc and it never quite works there's it's always glitching in and out and stuff this one actually works reliably uh, that I've been using for real estate photography, so I really do like that. Uh, there are negative negatives to the camera, of course. One of them is the short battery life still. I would love to see that extended. I always have to bring an extra battery with me because it's not going to last a whole day. Uh, but there are some cool things the real question if you're interested in this camera right now is do you buy this or do you wait a few months for the rumored fuji xt2 the real reason that that fuji is marketing this camera is the is the viewfinder it's both a rangefinder and uh it's also an a regular evf you know so it'll look if you look through the viewfinder it'll look normal uh, but you can also go to range finder style, which see Erica, this is right in your wheelhouse, right? This is mm-hmm. old retro kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, what it, what it does is it basically shows you a big optical view and then just a line of where your lens is zoomed into. Uh, so it's cool for street photography so that you can see outside of the actual picture frame to see who's coming into the frame and things like that. Uh, but I just like using it as the EVF. And so my hope is that we're going to see this all this same technology put into the X-T2 uh, in a couple months and it will be less expensive if you're not really using that rangefinder style anyway. And hopefully the X-T2 will have that flipping uh, or the tilting LCD screen. So it may be a wait uh, for a lot of you to choose the X-T2 in a few months, but I am absolutely loving the X-Pro2. Awesome camera. Uh, my favorite camera that i've ever had my hands on Uh, but then again you know cameras are such a personal style personal taste what you like Uh, a lot of people are going to see this and just have no interest in it but for what i'm looking for the lightweight total controls excellent image quality uh, it's a good fit for me all right so what do you guys think is this a camera that you would ever that you'd ever look into or or what are some things the pros and cons that you see i think craig was asking about lenses jim Oh, I'm sorry. There's a little bit of a delay between yeah, you, here and Australia. Right. I'm sorry about that. Hey, if it ever feels like we're talking on top sorry of each other, that. That, that's the only reason. Uh, the lenses on the Fuji system are top notch. You will not have issues with the lenses. Okay. Um, and the, it has, a, I mean, you got every everything you want from a good wide angle to a, a good star photography, okay. you know, really fast aperture got your equivalent of a 70 to 200 and now they even have a good wildlife photography lens the 100 to 400 with which the with the crop factor is a long long lens Uh, so i i love the lens system here i don't have any uh beefs about it that's one thing that kind of held me back from the Sony a okay. 6,300. I know there are tons of lenses you can put on it, but I want the lenses made for the camera so that mm-hmm. you don't have to put on the heavier full frame lenses and things like that. So that's why I chose this one that's over right. the, the a 6,300.
3: The only thing keeping me back from doing it. Cause I like, I like everything I'm hearing about it, Jim. I love the cost that. <laughs> that's very appealing. Um, I think the, mm. The image quality will be very comparable to where I'm at today. I'm already doing APS-C since I shoot a Canon 70 Mark II. The the thing that's ch- making it so I don't go there is what it would take for me to switch. I, I yeah. don't want to spend the time on it. That's pure yeah. and simple what it is. And not everybody it,
0: should. If you're happy with your system, keep it.
3: Yeah, yeah. So if I was yeah. starting today and uh, didn't know, well, I wish I had the resources now because this is probably the direction <laughs> I would have gone when I started.
0: All right. In every episode, we like to give a doodad of the week from each of us, a, a resource or a product or something that we that we like and want to recommend to you. If you're looking for all the doodads all in one place, just go to improvephotography.com slash doodads, and you'll see the ones from this week and all the previous weeks. Uh, so you can always find it improvephotography.com doodads. I'm going to toss the first one over to you, Craig.
1: Well, I'm a, a fan of the LightTrack app uh for uh for the real estate that i do and uh quite a lot of the landscapes i enjoy doing it's nice to know where the sun's going to be what time it's going to be setting or rising Um, but it's a really nice little app you can type in the address it'll take you straight to a map and it'll actually help you track the the sun it'll also help you track the moon Um, i recently did some photos where i was actually trying to do some star trails and forgot to check you know what what times the the moon rise is going to be and I uh, ended up uh, going to bed early because it was a full moon and I lost, you know, half the night. Uh, did get one cool shot of the moon coming through the, the trees, but it uh, wasn't what I was hoping to do that night. Uh, but for a handy little little tool, it's only a couple of dollars, I think, uh, in Australia anyway. Uh, very, very handy. Um, I highly recommend it.
0: Very cool. Erica, it looks like you're recommending an alcohol flask. Tell us about that. <laughs> It is yeah. not
2: an alcohol blast. Do
0: you keep Let's it in a paper plastic. bag I'll yes or no? Come on, tell me for real.
2: <laughs> you have found out all of my secrets.
3: Jen. um where, so she my, where she keeps yeah. the cyanide. <laughs>
2: Uh, um, so mine is not a photography product at all but i think it makes photographers lives easier and i just love this product so much that i just want to share it with the world um so it's called a hydro flask um hence the alcoholic beverage container um it is wonderful um it is made from military grade aluminum or something like that and it keeps water or whatever beverage cold forever. It, I think it claims that it will keep it cold for 24 hours. But for me, I have had ice in mine two days oh. later. So oh. in terms of photography, um, I take it to me or I take it with me um, to every wedding that I go and I have cold water all day long. I don't have to worry about refilling it because I have a bigger one um, and I don't have to worry about it getting you know, the water getting warm or anything, especially when I'm shooting in the summer and you need that that water, especially cold water to, to hydrate. It's also really good for traveling. So if you are hiking and you're out taking photos and you need to make sure you have water with you at all times, check out the Hydro Flask because this thing is a lifesaver. It's also really good for warm, um, you know, like coffee or tea or whatever warm beverages. I don't really drink warm beverages. Apparently it's supposed to keep them warm for like 12 hours. Um, But it's it's so useful. And the reason why I'm recommending this again is because I know photographers, they often take trips. They're often out, um, you know, shooting for long periods of time. It's really important to stay hydrated. So check out the Hydro Flask. It's it's a great product. It's going to keep your water cold and you will not regret it.
0: Does it does it uh, perspire? Does it have water that gets out to the outside? Nope, it doesn't. Okay, that's what I always need because uh, if I have a water bottle that's cold and I put it in my photo bag, then it leaks on all the stuff. Yeah, no,
2: nope, it doesn't leak. I carry it in my yep. my photo bag, you know, with me all the time. It's it's like it's like heaven scent or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I've been searching for my whole life. I love this thing.
3: <laughs> I need one with the lid so I don't spill it on my keyboard anymore. It
2: has lids, oh, like the one yeah. the one that I have right now. It has wow. It has lids lid. Some of them have straws. Um they don't these types of lids don't spill, you know, if it, it falls over or anything like that. Um so they have a variety of different lids, sizes, cool. um, colors. So you can really customize yours to make sure that you're getting what you want.
0: Very cool. Well I want to recommend a little red shutter button. It's like Rudolph on your camera. Uh so you know normally you have your old boring shutter button. But on uh, this Fuji and some other cameras, they have a little, uh, a little uh, uh, screw hole at the bottom of, or in the base of the shutter button. And so you can screw on a third-party shutter button. And I got a fashionable red one to put on my Fuji X-Pro2. There's a little bit of a Rudolph thing going on. It's <laughs> called a soft shutter release. It's not. It's still just a hard plastic button, and it's supposed to be because it has a larger surface area. You can press it and get two stops more. Uh, uh, you can go put your shutter speed two stops lower. No, don't fall. It's just a cool-looking shutter <laughs> wow. button, but it only costs four dollars, and you have a cool have red you tested shutter button. That, Jim? Sorry, have you tested that
1: the two-stop advantage? No,
0: the no testing. I can just tell you it is false. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Jeff, how about you? Uh,
1: okay, I'm
3: going to go back to the nerdery again. Um, there's a, a new, well, it's not new. It's been out for a couple of years now, but it's finally interesting. It's called the Intel NUC. It stands for Next Unit of Computing. It's a little box that's slightly larger than a Mac Mini. Not much bigger than a Mac Mini. It costs 390 so almost 400 bucks to get the little box. And it has a huge amount of specs inside this thing. USB 3.0 ports, i5 processor. It's really cool. But then you can also add one of those fancy new M.2 SSD drives we just talked about and 16 gig of RAM for about 570 bucks. And if you tried to equip a Mac mini with about the same thing, it's $1,100. Huh, so cool. for, for about half the price, you can get really good performance. I want to try one of these things. They're super small. They're silent. The fans, there's, they're just getting rave reviews from people. And it's running uh, Windows, right? Model. Well, sorry? It's running Windows? you can run whatever you would like on it so linux or but, windows uh, if you wanted to you could try to try to do hackintosh
0: but um, but, but would, it's running windows out of the box right okay yep Oh, very cool see i should have got this i bought a i was looking for a an inex, inexpensive laptop to run skype so in the studio we have a bunch of cameras coming in cuz now we're doing all of these in video as well as audio that you can get on our youtube channel or just on com. just click on Uh, Improved photography tv in the menu bar and you can see the video of all these episodes Um, and so i needed a a windows machine because windows skype is the only skype that does hd video Uh, on the mac they they have uh, Uh lesser audio lesser audio and video quality and so i needed a windows machine so i just bought a cheap lenovo uh, laptop this would have been a much better solution nuts all right. Thank you everybody for joining us on this mm-hmm. episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. We just want to leave you with a way that you can kind of get in contact with everybody. Everything I do is at improvephotography.com. Jeff, uh, we can find you at JSHarmanphotos.com or on your uh Jeff Harmon Photography Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Erica, uh, looks like most everything you're doing these days is at UA Creative or on your Instagram. Is that right?
2: Um well, it's kind of a mix. I have all my my wedding stuff and engagement stuff is still at Erica K Photography, but everything else I do is through UA, UA Creative.
0: Okay, very cool. And Craig, where can we get a hold of you? Um,
1: at uh, Stampfully uh, dot Photography. My contact photography. details are there.
0: Very cool. Well, it's great to mm-hmm. talk with everybody, and we will see you all in another seven days. Bye.